we're in this series called The Struggle is Real, and that song is all about the struggle. In fact, if you were very careful, you would probably realize that it's not just about the fact that we do struggle. That song is a painful reminder that our world doesn't have a lot to offer people who are in the midst of the struggle. In fact, if you listen to the words of the song, they said, when everything is going wrong, move along. And even when your hope is gone, move along. And when I listen to that song, I think to myself, really? Like, like that's the best that we have to offer to people who are in the midst of a very real struggle in their life. Just move along, move along. And just to be fair, like country music isn't any better, okay? In fact, there was a guy named Rodney Atkins who wrote an entire song, basically said the exact same thing. He said, when you're going through hell, just keep going. Don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show it. You might get out before the devil even knows you're there. And so that's the consistent message that our world sends to people. The best that we can give you, if you're in the midst of the struggle, is move along, don't slow down, just keep going, maybe you'll make it through. And if you're in the midst of the struggle, you're thinking to yourself, I need more than that. And that's why you need an Easter in your life. Because people are dealing with with real problems, and people are looking for real answers. And so last weekend, we started this brand new series called The Struggle is Real. And last weekend, we looked at Jesus Christ, and we said that that a lot of people, they see Jesus as this meek, mild-mannered man, and yet what we saw last week is that Jesus was a man who really was a tough man that was capable of enduring really tough times in his life. And so you look at Jesus' life, and Jesus is a man who literally was beaten half to death. Jesus was a man who then carried a 300-pound Roman cross, no less than 650 yards down the Via Dolorosa. He climbed up this hill called Calvary, and when he got to the top of that hill, he allowed them to drive seven-inch spikes into his wrist and into his feet. Jesus was a tough man who endured really tough times so that he could be a credible leader in your life and in my life. So that when you're dealing with tough times, you can look to this tough man and you can say, okay, what does it look like to be more like Jesus? What's it look like to develop a kind of emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental toughness that enables me to endure tough times. And so if you're here on Easter and you missed last week and the struggle is real in your life, I would encourage you to go back to last week's message. You can find it on the web. You can find it on the, on the app in our archives. And go back and look at the life of Jesus so that you can figure out what's it look like to cultivate real toughness so that you can endure tough times. This week I have to move on because I want to show you a different side of the struggle. See, I really do believe that it's not just about what do you do when you're trying to go through the struggle. I think that you need real clarity on why you are even going through the struggle in the first place. 
So when you think about Jesus for a minute, you need to know this. Jesus knew exactly why he had to go to this thing called the cross. I really want you to hear me say this. There is almost always something that is at stake in the struggle. You need to be able to see it. You have to be able to remember it when you're in the midst of the struggle because that's one of the things that Jesus used to actually get him through and to help him struggle well. And so a lot of you, you need to know this. Sometimes it's easy for you to see what's at stake in the struggle. And so if you're struggling in your marriage right now and you've got some kids running around the house or, or you're looking at your family and you're thinking about things financially and you're going, man, I, I don't like this marriage. Don't know if I want to stay in this marriage. I, I'm really struggling in this marriage. In that situation, it's usually fairly easy to see what's at stake in the struggle. But sometimes it's really hard for people to see what's at stake in the struggle. But if you can't see what's at stake in the struggle, then you may struggle, but know this, you probably won't struggle very well. A couple of years ago, my family and I, we ran up to one of our state institutions. I'm not going to tell you which university. I believe that our world has enough division in it already, and that would probably create even more division. But, but we went to visit this state university here in the great state of Mississippi. And while we were there, we were with a friend who is a huge baseball fan. And so he was like, man, I really want you to go in here, and I really want you to go see the baseball facilities on this campus. And so we went, we saw the field, we got to go into the locker room, we went into the weight room, and when we went into the weight room, I noticed that they had something printed on the mats in the weight room that caught my attention, and it really, really impressed me. In fact, we've got a picture of it, we'll throw it up on the side screen, It says there at the bottom, the road to Omaha starts here. Now, it's in the weight room. And so if you're not familiar with Omaha, then you need to know the College World Series is played in the city of Omaha. And so in their weight room, where those young student athletes are going to be working out every day, where they're going to be sweating every day, where they're going to be struggling every single day, they have printed a reminder to those student-athletes. There is something really important that is at stake in the struggle. And if you know that, it helps you to struggle well, but if you don't know that, then you probably struggle, but you don't struggle all that well. You need to know something about Jesus during these final days of his life. Jesus was a man who struggled really, really, really well because he knew that something important is at stake in the struggle. There really was a point to all of this. And so this Easter Sunday, I want to take you back into the Garden of Gethsemane where you see Jesus struggling in a way that you've probably never seen him struggle before. And I'm going to read it to you out of Matthew chapter 26 verses 36 to 46, as we see what we can learn from Jesus. The text says, beginning in verse 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. 
He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, that was James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, and he went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, when... People think about Easter, they traditionally think about things like the passion of the Christ. And yet, most of us, we have a pretty distorted understanding of that word passion. That word actually comes from a Latin verb, and it means to suffer, to bear, or to endure. And so I want you to catch this, okay? The ultimate reason that Jesus even came into the earth in the first place was so that he could suffer, so that he could bear, and so that he could endure a 300-pound Roman cross. And you need to know that he was passionate about that. He was passionate about it because he understood that that was the purpose that his life served on this earth. Now, if you go and you were to read the entire book of Matthew, then you would come to this passage in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, and you would immediately realize that in this passage, Jesus is struggling in a way that you have never seen him struggle before. In fact, he tells us a lot about the struggle, Matthew does. In verse 37, we read that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And so Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, he is watching Jesus, and there is a noticeable change in his demeanor. He is sorrowful, and he is troubled. Very next verse, verse 38, Jesus actually tells us about his struggle. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then in verse 39, we read that he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. So Jesus is now literally struggling to the point that he is laying flat on his face and he is praying to his heavenly father. For Jesus, the struggle was real. And this is one of the things I love about Jesus. Because Jesus came into the world as a man, because he struggled as a man, I can relate to him and he can empathize 
with me. But as I watched Jesus in the middle of the struggle, one of the things that I noticed is that Jesus just keeps coming back to this theme. He says it over and over again. He prayed and said they needed to be praying so that we do not fall into temptation. And so when you're struggling, you need to struggle well because there are going to be some very real temptations that you're going to face in the midst of the struggle. In fact, over the next few days, these disciples that are with him, they're going to struggle in all kinds of ways, right? They're going to struggle to deny that they even have a relationship with Jesus or that they even know him. In fact, Peter's going to fall into that temptation. He's not just going to deny Jesus once or twice. He's going to deny him on three different occasions, okay? They're going to struggle to walk away from their faith. They're going to struggle with the question, is everything that we've believed about Jesus just a lie? Have we literally wasted the last three years of our lives? And in the midst of this struggle, they're going to be tempted to walk away from their faith altogether. But you need to know that Jesus was also struggling and Jesus was also tempted. And so you look at Jesus and Jesus is struggling because he doesn't know if he wants to follow through with his father's will for his life or is he going to choose to do his own will for his life. In some ways, you could say that Jesus was getting cold feet. His entire purpose was to come, to bear, to endure a 300-pound Roman cross, and now he doesn't know if he wants to follow through on it. In fact, in verse 39, he said, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so in this moment, Jesus knew what he wanted to do with his life, but Jesus also knew what his father wanted him to do with his life. And so he's praying in this garden again and again and again that he will not fall into this temptation, that, that he won't give in and say, I'm going to do it my way rather than doing it God's way or my heavenly father's way. Now, let me point something out to you, okay, about temptation and about the struggles that you will fight in your life. You need to know that fighting temptation is not just about being strong in the moment. It's also about praying and preparing yourself for the moment. And I need you to know that because you don't always win the battle in the battle. Sometimes you win the battle before the battle even begins. You win it in the way that you pray and in the way that you prepare for the battle that is in front of you. And you need to know this because in the midst of the struggle, you're going to face all kinds of temptations just like Jesus and just like the disciples faced real temptations. In fact, there's a guy named the Apostle Paul who wrote a letter to these Christians who were living in the first century in the city of Thessalonica. And they were dealing with their own struggle. In fact, we looked at a lot of their struggle last weekend. And Paul writes to them and he says something to them about their struggle as it relates to this thing called temptation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul said this. He said, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith because I knew you were struggling. He said, I, I was afraid that in some way the tempter 
had tempted you. And so you need to know this. You have a spiritual enemy in your life, and he will kick you while you're down. He is a spiritual enemy who is not afraid to fight dirty. He will come at you in your life when you are struggling and when the struggle is most real for you. And so as you're fighting the struggle and as you're dealing with the reality of temptation, this is why you have to come back and you have to remember that there is almost always something important that is at stake in the struggle. I'm telling you, it was true of Jesus. It was true of his disciples. It was true of these Christians who were living in the city of Thessalonica. And it's true of you and me as well. And so when we look at Jesus, we see that Jesus is struggling in the garden, but we see that he will eventually struggle well because he knew what was at stake in the struggle. In fact, Jesus had just talked about what was at stake in the struggle just hours earlier at the Last Supper. And so go back to that scene in your mind. Jesus knows he's about to die. He's going to share one final meal with his closest friends and his followers. And while he's there, he breaks bread. And he said, this is my body, which is about to be broken for you. And then he passed the bread around and he let everyone eat it. And then he took this glass of wine and he said, this is my blood, which is about to be spilled for you. He knew what was at stake in the struggle. And so he talks about this wine in this metaphor kind of way saying, this is not just wine. This is symbolic of my blood. And I want you to drink it in remembering me. He knew the point of the struggle that was right in front of him. He knew why his body had to be broken. He knew why his blood had to be shed. Later, in the New Testament, you can read in the book of Hebrews, and they give even more insight about the fact that there was something very important at stake in the struggle. The author of Hebrews would say this in Hebrews chapter 9. He would say that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. None of us could be forgiven of our sins without the shedding of his blood. A couple of verses later, in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, the author would elaborate further and say this, just as people are destined to die once, and then after that, face a judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus knew what was at stake in the struggle. Jesus knew that humanity really was buried beneath their shame. He knew that we had this tendency in life to run from our problems and hide from all of our failures rather than dealing with our failures in the healthiest possible way. He knew that people could not find forgiveness without his sacrifice. He knew that we would all die. He knew that after death, we would stand before God to give an account for our lives. He knew that when we gave an account for our lives, we would all stand before a perfect and holy God, guilty and condemned, and then therefore separated from God for all of eternity. And because he knew what was at stake in the struggle, 
Jesus Christ was able to struggle incredibly well. He was able to take his own desires and his own will and set it aside so that he could follow through on his father's desire and his father's will for his life. But let me point something else out to you in the story. Not about Jesus, but about these followers of Jesus. These guys named Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John are in the midst of their own struggle. But unlike Jesus, they're not struggling well because they're not thinking about all that is at stake in the struggle. They don't see the full picture. They're not thinking of or even aware of all that is on the line for humanity over the course of the next few hours. Now, Jesus has tried to tell them. In fact, many times leading up to his death, Jesus told them that he had to die, he would be buried, and that he would rise again. And it's like it goes in one ear and right out the other. They are not listening to Jesus. They don't understand, probably because they're apathetic. And because they're apathetic about these spiritual realities and this spiritual issue, you know what they do? They fell asleep. Can I just suggest to you that a lot of people fall asleep in the midst of the struggle? And yet it's interesting. You look at Jesus, and here's Jesus praying about temptation and then resisting the temptation. And then here's the disciples failing to pray about temptation and then giving into the temptation. And so we can look at who Jesus is and we can look in this story at who we typically are. And I just want to suggest to you that a lot of us have fallen asleep in the midst of the struggle and we need to wake up. A lot of us have fallen asleep in the struggle on our marriages And we need to wake up. We need to wake up to the reality that there is a lot of important things that is at stake in the struggle of our marriages. Some of you are struggling in your parenting. And that struggle is real for you right now. And I would just say, don't fall asleep on the job. Wake up. Like, be alert to these dangers and to these threats and get serious about it like Jesus was serious about it in the midst of his struggle. Some of us have fallen asleep on the job in the midst of the struggle when it comes to our spiritual disciplines. We've just fallen asleep on Jesus. And so let me get really practical with you. I just want everyone in the room to think about this one question for the next few minutes. Here it is. What's at stake in your struggle? So some of you are struggling with a a temptation that you seem to deal with over and over and over again. It's kind of like your kryptonite. What's at stake in your struggle? Some of you are struggling with an addiction. It it won't go away. You, You know it's a problem in your life. And so as you struggle with that addiction, what's at stake in the struggle? That if you give into it, this is what's going to happen. This is where that road leads. I've been down that road before. And if I resist it, then this is what will happen. What's at stake for you in your struggle? Some of you are battling depression. 
Some of you are struggling financially. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. What's at stake in the struggle for your marriage? Some of you are struggling with your faith. You're not sure what you believe. You're not sure if what the preacher told you all your life is true or not. And so what's at stake as you struggle with your faith? And so let me kind of walk you through it. Some of you, right now, you're single. What's at stake in the struggle? Because here's what we were told in the text. The the text said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so if you're struggling as a single person, then you, you probably have a weak flesh and there are all kinds of temptations that you naturally want to give into. And so I would just say this Easter weekend, like what Jesus is trying to teach us is that we need to be awakened and alert to those very real temptations. We need to be praying like he was, not sleeping on the job like the disciples were, because the disciples were people who fell asleep on the job and they gave into the temptation, not Jesus. And so if you're single today, I just want you to think about what's at stake in your struggle. I want you to wake up to those realities so that you can struggle really, really well. Some of you right now, you're home from college. And your time away at college has been a very real struggle for you. In fact, there are some of you who are home for college, and this is the first time that you've been back in church since you left for college. You're on that campus, and you're struggling with your faith. You're struggling with what's true. You're struggling with what science teaches versus what the Bible teaches. You're struggling with all kinds of very real temptations. There is a war on every college campus, and it is a war not over just what's in your mind, but over what is in your heart. And so you're struggling on that college campus. And yet what you're not thinking about probably is you're probably not thinking about where a life of faith will take you, and you're probably not thinking about where a lack of faith will take you, but I promise you this, they will take you into two totally different places in your life. And you need to be thinking about what is at stake in the midst of the struggle. Jesus would say, you need to wake up to these realities, and you need to be praying so that you do not fall into temptation. Some of you are struggling in your parenting right now. And because the struggle is real for you, you've checked out. And so if that's you, I'm telling you as a parent, it's time to check back in. You're not thinking about what's really at stake in the struggle. What you're thinking about is it's hard raising teenagers. It's hard having four kids under the age of six, right? You're thinking that you're exhausted. You're thinking to yourself, well, they just don't want to spend time with me anymore. You're you're thinking they pull away from me and they're spending more and more time with their friends. You're thinking I'm tired. I've had a long day. What did Matthew say? Matthew said that Jesus came back to his disciples and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. And that's where some of you are. Your eyes are so heavy You can't stay up until midnight when they come rolling in. So you're going to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock and you're just hoping that nothing bad is happening to your kids 
or that they're not getting into some kind of trouble while you have fallen asleep, both literally and figuratively. And I know because I've been there. And here's what I've learned. If I had known about the threat, I would have been awake. If Peter had known that there was an army that was coming for Jesus Christ that night, he would have been alert, he would have been awake, he would have been praying because he would know that there is something very real at stake in the struggle. And so if you are a parent, I don't care how old your kids are, even out of the house, I am telling you, it is time to wake up. You need to be alert. You need to keep watch. You need to be praying because their purity is at stake. Their safety and their well-being is at stake. Years of living with guilt and shame is at stake. The health of their future marriage is at stake. Their success as adults is at stake. And their influence now is at stake. And so let's go back to the big looming question. What's at stake in your struggle right now? That if you don't struggle well in this season, then you're going to really regret it. Jesus knew what was at stake in the struggle. He knew that your future was at stake. He knew that your forgiveness was at stake. He knew that your relationship with God was at stake. He knew that all of eternity was at stake in his struggle. And so he prayed. He prepared. He struggled really, really well. And I am so thankful that he did. In verse 46, Jesus said, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, I need you to know something about Jesus. Jesus is finally ready for the cross. He didn't want to do it, but he was now ready to do it. It's almost like Jesus is saying, come on, let's do this. Let's get it on because the faster I die, the faster I'm going to rise. It was like a, a WWE match. And anybody watch fake wrestling growing up? Come on, admit to it. Let me see your hands. Anybody watch... I can tell some of your faces you didn't know it was fake. That's disturbing, okay? I'm sorry to ruin your day on Easter, okay? But, but let me tell you something about that kind of wrestling. It's not all fake. The fight is fixed, but the blood is real. And that's what it was for Jesus Christ. Jesus was getting ready to go into a battle, and yes, the blood was real, but the fight was fixed because he was going to come out of that ground three days later where he was going to prove once and for all to all mankind that yes, the struggle is real, but the victory is forever for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. And that's another way that you make it through the struggle is you're fighting from a place where you've already experienced victory, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. You need to know the outcome, the ultimate outcome has already been decided and he has made it clear that God is for you and because he is for you, nothing can ever stand 
against you. The Apostle Paul would write about this in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. I want you to listen to this passage. It says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, including eternal life? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Or I might say this, or any other struggle that you're dealing with in your life. Can it separate you from the love of Christ? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so let me tell you something. Jesus is for you. My question for you is, do you want a relationship with him? Some of you walked in here today and you said, I got to go to church because it's Easter. But you walked in here and you know you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christianity and the good news of Easter is that he's trying to make it as easy as possible for you to have a relationship with him. All he asks of you is that you simply put your faith in him, asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And if you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Will you pray with me? Right where you sit, you can simply say, Jesus, thank you for struggling well. Thank you for struggling for me, for going to a cross where you would not just bear the weight of that cross, but you would bear the weight of my sin. Thank you for not losing sight of all that was at stake in your struggle. I need you in my life. I want you to forgive me. And I need you to lead me. So I ask you to do that by faith in Jesus' great name. Amen.